You are listening to Turns Out with Kelsey Trainer and Carrie Ann Cook, where two lawyers bring you the legal sports news in a digestible way. You ever wonder why something that should just make sense becomes so convoluted when it comes to the law? Well, we're here to help. What's for lunch today, Carrie Ann? The return of sports. Professional sports leagues everywhere are announcing plans for the return of live sports. Well, live in the sense that they will be played live without any fans. The NHL announced playoff plans, the NBA and the WNBA are nearing their respective locations to be announced, and the National Women's Soccer Leagues look geared towards a tournament in Utah. Also, across the country, you have the possibility of college students unable to return to campus for live classes. But college athletes are most likely to be expected to report to campus in the fall for live sports. Carrie Ann, what's your take? Looking back five years from now, I think this is sort of the beginning of the inevitable march to the end for the NCAA because of the hypocrisy that they display that these student athletes aren't, you know, professionals on some level is on full display now in a, in a crisis like this pandemic. Turns out the NCAA is a professional sports league. I would argue strongly that um, in every aspect, they certainly are. And they're acting like one now. I will say the only difference being that, uh, you know, the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, those players all have something called, you know, uh, unions or players associations that are bargaining on their behalf, that are sending out memos upon memos, getting players reactions and their stances on how they feel about actually returning to play. Right. So, uh, you know, they have people that are bargaining in their interest and that are looking out for the interests. What don't college athletes have? A union. They don't have advocates for themselves. I mean, you know, for those of you who've been following along, it's exactly what happened at Northwestern, right? They tried to unionize, right? And no one really thinks about universities as being big labor, but I mean, when you have thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of student athletes, like what is the NCAA? other than the mouthpiece for big labor when it comes to, to college age athletics, right? So there is nobody advocating for them. They're, you know, considered, you know, some sort of like quasi, quasi student, but at the same time, like billion dollar decisions are being made off their backs without having a seat at the table. And it's so interesting when you have uh, athletic directors who literally say there is no contingency plan. There is no plan for us if college football season doesn't happen. Like we don't have a backup plan for that. That's how important college sports are to the NCAA. And that's how much money they make for them that they can't even fathom that uh, there could be, you know, another option of not playing a fall sports season. Right. Which there lies to me, the great irony of all this, like, is it truly about, the wonderful student athlete experience or is it about money? So in one vein, the first question is like, what's the NCAA going to do with this, you know, stance that they're taking that if there's not students on campus, it somehow like bastardizes the, you know, student athlete experience, but every, every comment out of an athletic director, every comment out of, you know, pretty much anybody is like, well, we can't afford not to do it. You what? you can't afford to not provide the student athlete experience or you can't afford to have free labor in a professional sense. Which one can he not do without? I think you said it best too. Like if it was really about the quote unquote student athlete, then why not just have, have them play intramural sports? Yeah. I mean, if it's really truly about having the experience of going to college 
and being able to compete have the most epic intramural season you've ever seen in your life during the pandemic. If it's truly about enriching those students experience by having the ability to participate in big time athletics, like can you imagine what the intramural football league would be like at the university of Michigan? I mean, that that's the campus is crawling with thousands of former all state, all conference football players. Right. I mean, it would be just as competitive as most anywhere else. So like it's complete hogwash. You know, that they're, they're worried about the student athlete, you know, experience. Well, give them their scholarships. Don't put them underneath the pressure and let it go back to what it's really supposed to be. But you can't do that and then turn around and say, we'll never recover because of all the money we're losing. I mean, across the board, we've, I mean, you know, not that everyone on this podcast has had the same conversations that we've had. But <laughs> we, we've talked about this. It's just like, you know, if you really look at the statistics and don't, don't quote me for like specifics, but like the overwhelming majority of sports lose money. Right. Right. So now we're making this when like it, just put it in context. So if someone ever was to hear this 10 years from now, it's like people are 100,000 people died and there's going to be more people that are dying. We're talking about putting student athletes back on the ball field for money. Like it's insanity. It's absolute insanity. And they have no representation at the table. Right. You brought up the thing about the athletic directors. It's like, can you imagine in the NFL if the players were represented by Jerry Jones and the NFL commissioner? So it was Roger Goodall. Uh, on behalf of, uh, you know, the athletes and Jerry Jones on behalf of the owners. Uh, and they make all the decisions about the players. What do you think that NFL would look like? It would look a lot like the NCAA. It would be a spitting image of the NCAA. Yep. Billions and billions of dollars being generated with none of it going to the people who are helping generate it. And what do you think, too? I mean, there's a whole kind of uh, issue about... Uh, liability waivers, right? So to one extent, you know, if a NBA player signs a liability waiver, having representation, having bargained for it, um, and they get sick, you know, I think courts are more likely to hold something like that up. Whereas if you're a kid in the uh, playing college sports, you sign something, you don't have any other choice. Like your other choice is just to not, not play. play. Right. And have your eligibility taken away from you. Right by an institution that creates its own rules. So, I mean, I, I think it's, it's one of the biggest misconceptions about the NCAA. Everyone thinks they're like some sort of like quasi government agency, you know, like it's the IRS of, of college sports. It's a, it's a completely private organization, completely voluntary, just like the NFL, just like the NBA, just like the WNBA, like they're completely voluntary, right? If you don't follow the rules then you're out. They're completely voluntary and uh, they are exempt from paying taxes <laughs> and they receive uh, millions. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that in a different podcast. Uh, so what do you think happens? Do you think we have a, co- a fall college sports season? I think that uh, you're going to see some national championship by some team that's challenged until the end of time is not being legitimate because about half the school's probably mostly in the South will go forward with football at some cost, right? And you talk about the liability of the student athletes, but man, if I'm an athletic director, I don't want 25,000 people coming onto campus to watch a football game. Right. Did you see that at Ohio state? They talked about um, how many people they could actually fit in the stands with uh, quote unquote social distancing, because it uh, turns out at the end of the day, they lose like, I don't know, almost $2 million per game in concessions alone. Yeah, that's the one one thing where I would say that they diverge from the other big professional leagues is that their revenue is de- 
more closely dependent to actual ticket sales and people butts in the seats than say the NFL. Like if the NFL plays a modified schedule of 12, 14 games with no fans, like those owners aren't going to lose money because of TV rights, because of licensing, because of all these other things. Right. But you know, Southwest Dakota state, right. Like they're not getting any of that stuff, right. Their revenue for football, if they have it at that imaginary school, um, I apologize if Southwest Dakota State actually exists, but if we got any um, Southwest Dakota State my bad. <laughs> fans on here, go, go Bisons, go Bisons, uh, ish. I don't, I don't yeah. know if that's a real but school it, or not. But I, I, do, I do think that's one significant difference, right? Like the college football schools, their revenue is more closely generated to butts in the seat, whether that's through, you know, donors paying a premium for, you know, a higher. Uh, you know, like a, a, a better um, access to better seats and events and different things and, and whatnot. But like, you know, the other professional leagues will survive without people in the stands, maybe not at a wild profit, but they'll survive. They're not worried about like existence. And what you hear some of these college, you know, ADs and presidents talk about is like the survival of their sports programs, right? Instead of the survival of their like community or their student athletes, or they're just regular students. So it turns out uh, the NCAA is a private uh, institution. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, I had people argue that to me. They're like, you understand, like, you know, like they can do what they want. They're like the government. I'm like, they're not the government. They're not, the, they're not even remotely close to a government. It's a private organization that everyone voluntarily agrees to be a part of. And they make up their own rules that everyone agrees to follow. Right. So like, you don't like the NCAA, like leave it and start your own thing. Right. It's just that simple. So, you know, and I think that's what they're, they're now in the middle of this pandemic is what a lot of these college presidents, you know, are up against. You know, it's like, are we going to go up against the the NCAA? That's a different question for a college president versus a college athletic director, right? Turns out, I agree with you. Yeah, no, well, it's the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that um, I'll probably end this podcast on letting you know that I got the notification that my Yeti is on the way. No, oh, good, good. And uh, that's crucial these times. That's an inside crucial. joke. <laughs> if you know, you know. Um, I'm I'm Kelsey Drainer. That was Carrie and Cook, and you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>